<laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Proud to be Queer podcast. We've got another one of our winners from the 2023 Queer Student Awards this week. And we've got Emma with us. Emma, hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah. I'm um recovering from covid but other than that we're doing great yeah, we were talking about that before we started recording weren't we i wish you well with that um <laughs> it's lingering around with us isn't it but we, we we carry on yeah um so emma you picked up uh you were the runner-up for our queer of the year um alongside taj who we uh, interviewed on the last episode um you were also runner-up for the role model of the year LGBTQ plus youth category. That was, as I said to Taj last week and was saying to our uh, our listeners, that was our most popular category. It had the most entries and the judges really struggled with that. So for the three of you to be named on that, congratulations there. Um, and then also as well, Thank you took you. our um, influencer of the year um, category um, award this year as the winner um, and yeah. that was the first year that we've run that category um, and the idea behind it was that um, if, uh, if you didn't know the context yourself Emma but also for listeners was that when uh, Ava and all the judges were looking through all of the entries and we were checking in and having conversations there was loads of great work that was being done that kind of fitted into another category as well, but we couldn't quite think what it was. And Ava suggested that it was it was kind of more of an inspirational influencer type award. And a lot of people listening, and maybe even yourself, Emma, might kind of hear the word influencer and it aligns or you, your mind goes to kind of the TikTokers and Instagram influencers and everything like that, yep. <laughs> which is completely valid. Um, but Ava and I had a really interesting conversation and we were actually kind of chatting about the other day as well around the idea of somebody who has influence, uh, not influence, not necessarily being the what people would align with being an influencer. Um, and so what we did was, what Ava did, sorry, I'll give her the credit here. Um, so... Um, <laughs> She read through all of the entries and picked out the ones that um, she thought were the, the most influential um, entries that we had. And that's how we created that short list. And so that's how you ended up being the winner of that um, new category as well, because we saw so many great entries that we were just like, there's something else here that we've missed. Um, so congratulations. How, how does it feel being a winner of and a runner up of so many categories for a start? Um, really, like, weird. I know that's probably not what the first thing was, but um, I fully went down to the awards just as, like, me and my friends, my, my friend Olivia came with me, um, and I went down with an expectation of just going and using it as a really good, like, networking opportunity. And then I remember getting the, um, like, first award, and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is, like, insane. Um, and I, I remember saying to Olivia, like, I I mean, probably everybody's saying like the same thing. They weren't expecting it, but this when I got them um, the influencer of the year, I was literally like shaking coming back because I didn't like I really genuinely did not think that I was gonna like go home back to Scotland with like a wee a wee trophy. Um, and then the last one because the I had got those first two, I was just like, there's like no way, there's no way. And then I was like blown away. 
Um, but yeah, no, they're like just. Uh, I'm kind of still in awe, and I think you could hear that from the way that I'm talking. Like, yeah, uh, I've never really won like an award before like mm-hmm. that. Um, and it was quite like I've got like imposter syndrome <laughs> from it, but it's really good, and it was such a great opportunity to meet so many people that were doing similar things and had the same sort of drive and passion as I do and Olivia as well. Yeah. I mean, I suspect maybe, do you know who nominated you? Because we did get two nominations for you that were ju- they were judged separately. I um, know I know one of them um, who was like a, um, I did work for him like ages right, ago, okay. um, like some kind of voluntary communications work, but I don't know who the other one awesome. was. I'll have to dig that out and, and let you know or embarrass them uh, kind of uh, on the podcast now. But some of the <laughs> lovely things that I was reading back through the nomination uh, this morning were, so why does Emma deserve this award? Well, other than the fact that they are funny, loving, loyal and awesome person, they've never really received recognition for anything they've done. Um, Emma not only inspires their local community, but their local authority and generally people all over Scotland and the UK. Lovely thing for somebody to say. That is so nice. Yeah. Um, and our judges as well, for those that weren't on there on the evening, they'll be able to kind of see this on the videos um, that I've been working on this morning. We've finally got a highlights video, so that'll be going out uh, later on. Um, the judges' comments uh, were for the. It was for the. Which ones for this? For the role model. So Emma's clearly worked hard on mental health issues, and we'll come to that in a second. Um, and achieved so much. Um, your film was really great. They're a fantastic individual who should be immensely proud of all they've achieved so far. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing more of their work in the future. So that was from one of the judges. Um, and then um, in terms of when you were named as the runner-up alongside Taj as well, um, a clear passion for empowering and giving voices to LGBTQ plus people with an influence that stretches across Scotland and within institutions and political spaces. So some really nice things. How does that make you feel? Yeah, no, definitely. I'm like really like warm. Like I'm, I, you, I, you can obviously yeah. see, but the listeners <laughs> won't necessarily. And I am very much smiling yes. right now. Yes. Massive <laughs> um, smile. It's, just, it's lovely to hear something like that. Mm. Yeah, it's just really lovely, um, particularly in a world right now where um, we don't always hear the nicest and most positive news. Um, it's great to hear something like that. Yeah, exactly. And I'm glad you picked up on that because that's something that um, I discussed with Taj in the last episode and that I always talk to people about when I'm uh, kind of explaining why I decided to create the Queer Student Awards. And it was because our community as a whole kind of doesn't get the, the, gets a lot of negative media about it. There's a lot of hate thrown towards us and the awards give that opportunity for people like yourself to to shine and have that moment to celebrate everything that you are doing. So congratulations on all of that. Thank you. So let's learn a little bit more about you. Do you want to give us an introduction to yourself? Sure. Okay. Um, so I am Emma Prack. Um, I do so many different things and wear so many different hats, but I'll give you a brief rundown. Um, I am the founder and kind of, I don't give myself the title CEO because I don't like, like the title and what it kind of stands mm-hmm. for and represents, but I essentially run all the operations um in a 
non-profit called Projects on Risa, which is currently actually in the process of applying for charitable status, which is really exciting. Um, um, Projects on Risa um, is, I started it in July 2020, so in the middle of lockdown. Um, and its kind of aim is to break the stigma surrounding mental health by starting more meaningful conversation. And meaningful is the really important word there. Um, I it particularly focuses on doing that through like creative arts, so film, poetry, music, all of the kind of creative outlets that you get. Because loads of people kind of talk about how important the arts are to mental health, and the arts are something right now that are also very much under threat. So it's kind of combining those two things. Um, and I myself, I have dyslexia, so I, I'm very creative. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it kind of all came together. It tied all the parts of my life that I was maybe struggling with, but also the parts that I had strength in um, to create something that was a community for everyone. And another really important part of Project Sonrisa is that it's, um, I, I say like the phrase, it's open to everyone and anyone um, because like literally anyone can get involved no matter like their gender sexuality race uh, like literally everything like you can just get involved we've had people from all over the world do some of the projects um but yeah it's 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 fun to do that but um aside from that I study with the Open University um I mainly do that because one dyslexic so traditional uni was never really something that I thought "Mm, that's for me um and also so that I could do all the fun things that I really enjoy and never really saw uni as something that I should be tied to. Mm-hmm. It should be kind of tied to me and it should support the work that I want to do. Um, so I do university part-time and I'm studying psychology, um, which I find really interesting as well. Um, what else about me? I have two cats, <laughs> um, Juno and Jupiter. Um, they're my little favorite things in the world and I'm sure they'll actually probably come into some of our conversations later on because they have been a a big part of my mental health um what else is about me oh I'm also a member of the Scottish Youth Parliament as well um which is something I do kind of outside that but um I won't tie too much to that right now because that can have its own kind of conversation Mm. um but Projects and Risa is kind of the main thing um I think that's pretty much it i do work as well (laughs) (laughs) when you've got time I work as well loads of hats (laughs) yeah when I've got time but projects on Risa is my main kind of like passion um and the thing that I'm really really focusing on right now Mm. um quick question about your cats then so where's the inspiration for the names come from (laughs) that's a really right so Juno um which was our first cat um Juno's a name of a, I think it's a Roman god. I might be wrong there. Um, trying to get all my mythology of the Greek and Roman gods right, but um, Juno's the god for like new beginnings and like new starts to life. Um, and we got our cat in like a period. Um, it's kind of like my mum, my brothers, and my my cat. Um, it's kind of like we were in a part of life where we were going on to that kind of new beginning and there was a kind of new chapter that they were going into um, and that's when we got him so it seemed really fitting and then Jupiter um, was just a random name that we chose <laughs> for the other cat there's no backstory to that we were going to call him Scratch because when we first got him we scratched my face but a lot of people have cats that are called Scratch and we don't want to be the same as other people so we're like Jupiter yes. nice and the names go well together so yeah, they do. yes one meaningful one and one kind of just randomly chosen. <laughs> oh, thanks for sharing that. Um, so, right, let's have a, a kind of dig down into some of those things that you were talking about there. So let's start with kind of 
projects on Risa as a whole. Um, an amazing piece of work, something that when I've been looking more into it, because I've been doing some research about yourself before I was having this conversation, and I'd seen it when the nomination um, came in, because I don't involve, I'm not involved with the judging, but I read every single nomination when they come through. And I remember this one standing out for me um, for many reasons, but the biggest reason I think was because it's focused on mental health, as you said. Um, and that's something that's kind of very important to me personally, but also professionally through my own business too. Um, where, how did you start to pull everything together and, and create the project? Talk us through that process. Yeah, so um, I honestly think this is probably a really long process in my head. This kind of, the first seed was planted when I was really, really mm -hmm. young. Um, or really we as I would say in <laughs> Scotland um, so I have some very confusing unexplained medical conditions um, and that's a story in itself as well but I kind of struggled throughout um, kind of my teenage years with that um, I have a lot of chronic pain and I have some neurological conditions so I've got kind of um, problems with like twitching in my leg and um, I used to have quite quite frequent tics um, kind of just like movements um, that were uncontrolled basically um, and I struggled kind of a lot through my teenage years with that um, and I was also bullied in high school so high school was not a fun era for me at all and my mental health as a consequence obviously was not doing great either um, and I struggled quite a lot with kind of staying happy as mm -hmm. how I would say it but I soon learned that it's not there was this kind of way that we look at mental health is the aim goal is to be happy and constantly happy but that's not how you should be and that's very false and the media kind of creates this pressure that everybody needs to do that but it's not at all like I still have days that I literally just lie in my bed and don't do anything like yesterday that was one of my days and it's actually really important to do that because it regulates you um but yeah throughout my teenage years I was kind of struggling with um people at school um, just kind of spreading stuff, classic stuff that you deal with when a lot of people deal with throughout their teenage years, like spreading stuff, like kind of crossing gear groups and things. I was also struggling with my sexuality and my gender and all these things, and I didn't quite... I, I wanted to put myself in a box, basically. Um, so for lockdown, and when we first went into lockdown in March 2020, mm -hmm. um, that kind of gave me a sense of relief, which... I know it's not the same for everybody and everybody's have obviously had their own kind of journey with lockdown and they've got their own story of whether or not they enjoyed it or didn't and for a lot of people they definitely didn't because we didn't have the freedoms that we had but for me I was out of school I didn't have to deal with the people that were making rumours up about me or making fun of me for whatever they were making fun of me for um, and I was just kind of with myself so I spent a lot of time during that first like kind of lockdown era of really like kind of reflecting on myself and working out who I was um, and that was the first kind of time that I was like I don't really feel like I want to label myself as female which was the gender that I was assigned at birth um, and I really started to uh, listen to like influencers and things that were non-binary and were very happy living in a kind of world where gender is just like not something that 
restricts you which it shouldn't be and that's I've always felt like that's something that restricts me I was one of those kids that people would describe as a tomboy Mm. um which I have my own feelings about how harmful that word is um but yeah I kind of realized a lot during lockdown that I'm a very untraditional person and I like to just kind of follow passions and interests and just not be contained by the world um so my idea was so many people were kind of struggling with their mental health in lockdown and students mental health was one of the things that I kept seeing on the news people that were in halls at universities were just they didn't have enough support I kind of saw throughout my teenage years people not having enough support one of my best friends when I was in second year of high school lost her brother Mm. um to mental health and has battled with mental health so I had seen it kind of firsthand um as I'm sure everybody knows somebody that's that struggled with their mental health um or yeah I just kind of I was kind of sick and tired of just seeing like people not actually doing anything to make a difference um so my idea originally was never to start a non-profit it was to just do something for like my local community that we could all do during the middle of lockdown so I put out like a kind of thing for a virtual choir Mm -hmm. Um, so I chose the song You Raise Me Up, um, which is actually quite a slow song and maybe a kind of boppier one would have been a better choice. But I actually, looking back on it, I think it was the exact choice that everybody needed. So everybody needed that boost. So I put it into a local Facebook group. I was like, I'm wanting to do this virtual choir. If anyone wants to get involved, no matter if you think you can sing or not, like we're just putting a bunch of collective voices together to kind of spread a message during a really difficult time. Um, and to my surprise, loads of people wanted to get involved. Um, so loads of people got involved in that, created the kind of virtual choir. Um, it was a lot of work, a lot more than I had anticipated, but it was really great. Um, and because I had had such a positive response from that, I was like, oh, I could kind of make a wee campaign out of this or something like that. Um, and a local business reached out to me to say, oh, do you want to do like a mental health and music week? And I was like, that sounds great. So we kind of planned this week of online virtual events. There was um, I can play a few like instruments, just wee bits of them that I had learned in like high school how to play like keyboards and stuff. So I did some wee music tutorials for anyone that's give, maybe got like a guitar or keyboard sitting in their house that they've never used. Um, we did some. We had a big the big event was like loads of local like artists and things recorded a song and we put them all together and it was this kind of performance that you could just watch virtually. Um, Loads of different things, basically. Um, and that went really well as well. So I was like, hmm, I'm really enjoying doing this. Um, did another virtual choir in the December. Um, that time it was more upbeat. We did This Is Me from The Greatest Showman. Um, and that was also awesome. And that was the one that really spread kind of across the world. There was a couple of people from all over places dotted about that got involved in that. Um, and that's when I was like, I'm going to make this an organisation. I'm going to turn this into something bigger. Um then applied for funding, started a web series, and that kept progressing and progressing to the point I made the documentary. We've now got a podcast. Um, it's now this whole thing. Um, and I, I'm kind of wanting to get to a point that we have core funding and we can hire people and just kind of spread um, conversations about mental health and starting conversations just in your life that actually mean something to someone mm. um, and do that through arts because everybody loves music and everybody finds music that they like and there is again something for everybody um but that is pretty much the journey that it took um I do ramble a bit so hopefully I didn't ramble too much on that (laughs) but that's the kind of story of Project Sunrisa and how we are where we are today
I don't think you're rambling. I think that may all made sense. Um, I, there's a couple of things that um, I would I'll pick up on that because of kind of my own understanding of mental health and my my passion points. And you speaking very loudly to two of them there, so I'd be doing myself a disservice if I didn't pick up on them. But so the first one, I kind of at that point you made around kind of like there being and forgive me if I will if I've interpreted this wrong but kind of this whole kind of like idea like you're saying from the media that you can fix mental health and that it'll be everything will be all right um that's not the case like our mental health is on a spectrum and there are good days and there are bad days and it's great to hear somebody um of your age that's embracing that and realizing that actually kind of we just have to sit with what we're experiencing and that that's healthy to do that um I know, yeah. I know I had a, a day kind of last week where I just felt like for for no reason I just felt like I'd been hit by a bus um and so I just I cancelled my meetings for the day and just decided to have the the day to myself because I just I needed that space and I could have pushed through it I would have pushed through it yeah. in in previous kind of times but that's not a healthy way to to approach things um and also as well the point that you were saying about meaningful conversations and that was something that jumped right out at me at the start of your documentary that I was watching this morning um which we'll come to in a little bit more detail in a second but I think there was one of, I can't remember the the person who was it was towards the start of the documentary somebody in a red hoodie I'm forgetting their name forgive me um but they were talking about um the, this and I think you were exploring with them as well this idea of kind of like people just going yeah I'm okay or people asking how are you and then not actually giving the honest answer um behind that and try and kind of trying yeah. to put a brave face on it um and that piece around meaningful conversations for me is again it's it's really important and there is a level of being very vulnerable when we're talking about our mental health and to have a meaningful conversation you have to expose yourself um and be very vulnerable with another person but hopefully a lot of us have got somebody in our life that we trust that we would have those that we would have any other type of conversation it's kind of I always kind of think that if you're going to have if you've got somebody that you're going to have a conversation with about your relationship or about your career problems or anything else that's going on in your life why would you not talk to them about your mental health as well because they're obviously somebody that you're you're willing to trust and open up to um totally yeah I think what you said there about like it's um with just the way that I kind of see it is we're brought up and I mean I didn't actually so I struggled a lot in primary school with my mental Mm -hmm. health just kind of like looking back at it and it's only something that I've recently kind of looked at and thought you know what that was actually just my mental health not doing well um but I didn't know what the word was for it and I didn't understand like I kind of when I feel kind of down about something or sad or upset or just a kind of emotion that I find difficult to deal with um it's it's kind of like itchy at the front of my head like that's the way that I describe it um, and that's how I feel it and I remember in primary school having that frustration but not knowing what it was and I didn't actually know until about second year or third year of high school so about I don't even know what age you would be in then um, but I didn't know until I was maybe like kind of a wee bit into high school that that is what mental health was because nobody had actually really said it to me and never had a discussion about mental health and never discuss- had a discussion about feeling 
kind of down about something and what you do with that. Um, and I think I found it really hard to regulate my emotions a lot before I kind of looked at it from, uh, this is mental health, this is um, a completely normal part. I didn't understand that other people also felt like mm-hmm. that and that's why it's so important to have those meaningful conversations. Um, again, like, like I said earlier and touched on earlier, I'm not even... There's days that I kind of don't do anything like you were saying too, like having the ability to just kind of take a day for yourself is something that's so difficult to do when we're in a world where people, it's not set up for that, it's not set up to give time for mental health, which is actually really dangerous, I think, and really, I mean, that's the reason we're in the middle, like we're in a crisis with mental health as much as um, people aren't really talking about it as much, we are. Like, as the UK, Scotland, we're really not doing well with mental health when you compare it to, like, other countries and things like that. Um, yeah, I the documentary in itself, like, kind of talking a wee bit about that because you've obviously yeah, touched perfect. on it now. Um, the, the kind of story there was um, I see all the media that I see around mental health um, kind of focuses on one part of somebody's journey, which is, again, really damaging because it's only shown one light. And a lot of the time it's either a crisis point or it's the kind of after effects of maybe a, a period where they've not been doing great um, or they've been really been struggling to kind of do day-to-day activities. Um, and I wouldn't say that that's necessarily bad mental health. I don't like that phrase either. It's just that, like you said, it's always a spectrum and sometimes our mental health impacts our day-to-day activities and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes happiness can affect our day-to-day activities. Like sometimes you get home from a really good event and you're like, oh, I'll just do that tomorrow. That's all right. And people kind of don't look at it in that way too. Like happiness, sadness, they both interact with our lives in different ways all the time. So it is a spectrum and we need to kind of look at it like that. And I would really love to see more kind of services and support and just life structures do that. But again, it's so much to unpick and to look at but um yeah something really needs to change with mental health and particularly lgbt plus mental health too which is something that i was trying to really emphasize in the the documentary the documentary kind of took different underrepresented areas Mm -hmm. um and just took people that wanted to chat about it not influencers not high up government officials it just everyday people um that had a story to tell that had a journey to tell um and one of the people that um spoke on it one of my friends ash he spoke about um what it's like for trans men right now and just trans community in general to like their their mental health is targeted the most right now um using trans people as a political weapon is not how they should be used um, and we need to create systems that advocate for everybody in society and look after everybody's mental health, not just specific groups. And I'm hoping that that came across in the documentary. Um, and I hope that although it's one documentary and a small start, that it's maybe created conversations within communities to talk more about the struggles particular people face and how intersectionally those all relate to each other and how we should all be working together to solve one big problem. Yeah. I mean, I think you delivered on that. When I was watching it, I mean, there was lots of things that were going through my own head. I mean, one of them was kind of like how impressive in terms of a produced piece of work that was for a young person to have 
um, to have done your own kind of approach to interviewing and everything in that. You had a very, very nice, I don't know if that's the right word to say, but a really nice manner of being able to, for me, get things out of the people that you were speaking to, which is really incredible to see in a young person that's making a documentary. So well done on that. Um, and uh, Thank you. that piece around kind of trans identities as well and um, you've said as well you identify as non-binary um, I was down yep. in I went down to London for the day on Saturday um, there and back I won't be doing that again that was one hell of a journey <laughs> all the way from Columbia <laughs> um, but um, I went to go and walk with them um, with Ava and the team behind uh, trans people are loved and there were, so, there were, I mean, there was, I think there's reports of like 25,000 people that turned out for it, which was double uh, last year's attendance. And so there is an obvious kind of need, and there were people that identify with the trans and non binary community that are an ally for. Um, and as you explore in the, the documentary with your friend as well, kind of these waiting times, they're just ridiculous. Like people just want to be themselves. Yep, definitely. Um, I'm really glad that Ash spoke out about mm. it because, um, uh, again, it's quite difficult, I think, for trans people to take a platform and speak about experiences when, like, pretty much anything and everything that um, trans people do gets criticised. It's really terrifying, like, the hate crimes going up like day by day it's just it's horrible to think about that there's so much kind of hate for a community that are just trying to they're just trying to live their lives as authentically as who they are um and I'm so glad there is um movements out there like trans people are loved um that are really kind of speaking out about it um and it's it's really I would I use the word brave a lot but I don't think that necessarily is a word that I should use because these people are just being who they are like why why should we have to be brave why should we have to speak out it's it's a human right at the end of the day um and it's horrible that people are kind of hated for it as I keep saying it's just uh, I honestly uh, it completely puts me in awe to be honest when I the more that I hear about these kind of things and it's really sad and really upsetting that people just can't live their lives as who they are um but yeah, no, um, I'm glad that these movements exist. And it is definitely something that if anybody is listening right now doesn't know about, go check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Good plug there. Um, I, I, yeah, I, it's, it's a tough one. I think it's particularly after we've had what has just been Pride Month as well. It can be quite a, as much as it's a kind of seen as a time of celebration with parties going on in places and I mean, it's it's kind of more of a season, really, because I know kind of, I think, if I get this wrong, Ava, don't kill me. I think um, Univ uh, Birmingham Pride is the first one that kind of kicks everything off, and then they all kind of come after that. And I've seen, even I live up in Cumbria, and I've seen um, Smashby, who performed at the awards, um, did one at Barrow, in yeah. Barrow in Furness, like 20 miles around the coast where I used to go to Six Farm has got its own Pride now. And I wasn't even aware of, like, these smaller celebrations that are going on. But um, Pride Month, where was I going with this? Pride Month um, itself is, whilst it's a great time for celebration and recognition of um, everything that is amazing about our community, 
it's an exhausting time as well because it's another one of those times when we are kind of platformed and that makes it easier for people who don't understand to attack um in many ways and that's going to have a yeah. huge impact on people's mental health um whether that's come of kind of coming out of this period i know a lot of my friends that are kind of queer influencers or professionals that focus on um, lgbtq plus often use july and august as a time to decompress and to kind of take themselves out of that educating mode that delivering workshop mode that doing kind of doing the work for essentially what the work that heterosexual people should be doing themselves um to some degree yeah. but without our voices you're just kind of you're learning something rather than um you know, being educated about it and and finding out more about their experiences and that was one of the things that i really liked about your documentary was the the personal lived experience aspect to it but also as well the the intersectional element within there because you had kind of people on the the documentary there who were talking openly about mental health and its links to their disabilities to their race to kind of where they've um where their heritage is from what their um their sexuality or gender identity is there's loads of different things in there um so it's a really impressive piece of work and i mean i'm, I'm guessing you're very proud of it but i will say you should be very proud of it yeah yeah i'm i'm proud of the people to be honest like i took I, it was a year and a half that it took me to film everything and the, it kind of was a start stop kind of thing because when you're doing something like this and i'm sure everybody that um was at the Christian awards everybody that's involved in some sort of um campaigning work because everybody is in their own sense that speak out on topics it's really easy to lose motivation mm. over like one small little thing um and i kept kind of going through chunks of being like oh this is so much like to do and then being like you know what no because there's nobody we need something like this and if i don't do it then other people might not do it like there's a kind of um early projects on Rusa was kind of set up on this idea of the butterfly effect so um, I've forgotten the exact quote, but there's this idea that when a butterfly flaps its wings, that movement creates so many other things. Or another one to think about it is if you throw a rock in a pond, those ripples that it creates get bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's the same with mental health with one conversation. That person could maybe, for example, you compliment somebody's jumper, right? You're like, oh, wow, that colour really suits you. Or I really like that jumper and the design on it that person's then going to go maybe say to like their mum when they go home and say, well, oh, somebody was talking about my jumper today that was really lovely. Or even if they don't say specifically about that, they'll then feel like a positivity and maybe say to when they go and order, order a coffee, oh, thanks so much, and maybe pay for the person behind them. Or these small, small, small acts of kindness create a ripple. And that that's what the documentary's aim was to do. There was... I don't even know let me count I'm like looking at my website right now and there's maybe about 10 different people that kind of shared their stories and then some other people that were also involved in different aspects of it like we had a poetry section in my old theatre school um some young people from there delivered wee different lines of it um all of those people will go home and they'll be like oh I was involved in this and then we had a premiere event um that people came to and just that general talk about it and sharing it with other people creates a message and it creates a kind of I'm a safe person to talk about your mental health mm -hmm. with um, so many people always say the idea of 
oh, there's someone out there that's that's going through the same as you. Like, don't worry, you're not alone. But how do people feel less alone if they don't see representation of themselves? And that's really what the, the kind of ethos of the documentary was and what now It All Matters, the podcast we have, um, that was kind of created off the back of the documentary to continue those stories. So anyone can get involved in that. Just like, send me an email and you can come and share your story. It's a platform for everyone. You don't have to have like a massive following or like... Um, a specific thing that you do like I just want to hear from people and their experiences so that people maybe relate to something and go you know what that person's like me I do feel less alone now because there's actual representation and examples of it and that's what I think the media doesn't do well it doesn't represent everyone um, and I don't think you ever can represent everyone but you can try your hardest to do it um, and that's what that kind of project Sunrisa is aimed around um, but I find that really powerful representation is um such an easy thing to do and anyone's work um just make sure that people have somebody to chat to or that you're inclusive of a group even just saying like um let me think of a really good example and I can't actually think of it's an example (laughs) um but yeah as I said like if anybody's going to take anything away from me being on this podcast today is that like the tiniest little thing that you might think is really small is actually a massive part of somebody's life um, and my friend Shafa, who was in, it was actually in the documentary, she's a wheelchair user and she talked about her experiences, somebody with a disability and how that's impacted her mental health. And she actually shared a story recently at an event that I was at about how one piece of kindness completely changed her perspective. Somebody complimented her coat or her jacket or something and that made her feel like not everybody's horrible, not everybody's out to get you. Like there's people in this world that are truly lovely and it's just about finding your community and um, representing the people that you're a part of yeah yeah I completely agree with everything you're saying there is that there's something you said there about kind of you can't represent everybody and I agree with that like but you can try like you said and we are all unique so you're never going to be able to find a carbon copy that's exactly like you and the world would be boring if we were all exactly the same anyway wouldn't it um, but you can, you can look for commonalities, you can look for shared experiences, you can look for shared interests. One of the most important things I find about the different kind of communities or uh, groups that I would say I belong to is about interest. So it's whether or not like kind of like um, I'm a huge Eurovision fan. So once a year I find a kind of community of people who are all crazy over this music event that everybody else kind of looks at and goes, what is the fuss about? Um or I'm, a, or I'm a, like a huge Kylie fan or there's a certain genre of book that I like to read and that I will kind of naturally lean towards certain people that I'm connected to and ask them for book recommendations or if we've both read the same book ask them how they feel about it and it's those it's I think what it is it's about those connections isn't it and being able to find somebody who understands um what you're going through yeah definitely Right, well, it's been lovely um, having you on the pod, Emma, and there's two things that I mentioned to you before we hit record that I ask every guest. So um, I'm going to ask you, first of all, for your advice that you would give our listeners. Yeah, okay, I've thought about this. Um, I think my piece of advice, and I know loads of people say this, but um, be true to yourself. The thing that I struggled a lot with throughout kind of everything and to be honest I still struggle with it is thinking that um nobody's like me and that um 
this weird strange person but it's not true like don't put yourself in boxes because there's no need to like there's always a way to do something that you want to do follow your passion um just strive to be authentically you and don't let anybody tell you that you need to be something that you're not um and it's really easy to say but eventually um you get to a stage in life where you just don't care what other people think and that's the stage that I'm at right now and it's great um but yeah find find and surround yourself with people that actually um appreciate you for who you are and see your strengths um and even see your weaknesses as a way to um grow as a person there's nothing wrong with maybe not being great at something like there's always room to grow there's always room to um thrive and if you put yourself in a box you can't do that um and I think that's the epitome of being for me personally um that's what non-binary means to me like I'm not I don't want to put myself in a box I just kind of float on this lovely little spectrum of gender and what what even is gender to be honest that's what my brain's like um but yeah that's different for everybody so I definitely do not represent everybody that's non-binary there but yeah don't put yourself in a box and find ways to grow and find people that actually love you for who you are very wise what very wise words um right so the one (laughs) song that we you were put on that ask the dj to play or that you'd want playing on the radio if somebody was to say emma what's your queer anthem what we're going to add to our list for you so i actually don't know if this is necessarily a queer anthem but it's just a song that i always go back Mm -hmm. to um it's ophelia by the lumineers um it's a very like happy song i find it really happy and it's my song i've always like i never get it never gets old for me um it's like a folky kind of boppy song. Um, people probably know it, but um, yeah, I, I don't really have a reason for it, but it has been a song that I've went back to like all throughout my life in, when it's been maybe not a great time, um, when it's been a fabulous time. It's just my little song that I really, really love. Yeah. Thank you. Right, we'll add that to this. Do you know, I, I probably know the song. I think I've lived with somebody in the past when I was down in London that was a big Lumineers fan. So I've probably heard the song, but can't, re- can't remember what it is now. So I'm going to go and have a listen to it now and see if I can remember it. Um, I've actually just thought of another okay, song. For a well. Can you I have, can have two, two songs? Go on. You are, you are one of our runners up <laughs> okay, well, okay. of the year and a winner as yeah. well. So go on, have two. <laughs> Okay, my other favourite, my other anthem is Free by Florence and the Machine. Um, and I feel like that actually has more of a meaning to it because um, that song's all about like dancing and just feeling free as a person. Um, and that's how I feel right now. So Free by Florence and the Machine and Ophelia by the Lumineers. Those are my two anthems. I know the Florence one. I've been to see Florence in concert. It's one of my favourite concerts. So just brought back some nice memories of being uh, in, in Ali yeah. Pali dancing away with everybody. So, yeah. Brilliant. Right, well, thanks again for joining me, Emma. It's been great to kind of dig into more about the stuff that you're doing. I'm going to pop some links to all of your fantastic work into the show notes so people can go and have a look as well. So we've got the website for Project Sunrisa. We've got a link. We'll have a link through to um, YouTube for the Our Minds documentary. Absolute must watch. Go and watch that. Um, And then also as well, you mentioned the podcast there as well. And that's certainly, as I was saying to you earlier, kind of um, it's certainly something that I'm going to be looking forward to uh, reading, listening (laughs) um, to uh, (laughs) when I'm out walking my dog um, over the next few weeks. So um, 
I will, I'm sure I'll be in touch to give you some feedback on that because I can already see that I'm going to enjoy that. Brilliant. Thank you very much for having me. Um, and thanks to you for listening um, our love, lovely listeners we'll be back with another episode very soon with another one of the winners of the 2023 Career Student Awards bye for now